Pastor Xavier Reese and the impact of prayer on today's Simple Truths. When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes and His kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's cause decays and evil of every kind prevails. A prayerless church and Christians are denying God's ability to direct and provide and man's privilege to ask and receive. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Eschatology, theology, and ecclesiology are all essential elements of the doctrines of the faith. But according to Pastor Xavier, knowledge all on its own falls far short of living the complete Christian life. Today, he takes us to the book of Romans, chapter 15, as he shares Paul's outline for living a life that is honoring to the Lord and beneficial to our fellow man. Let's join him for today's Simple Truth Study, Reasons for Paul's Letter. The express purposes of writing to the Romans is threefold. First, verse 22 to 24, to reveal his intent to visit them. Secondly, 25 through 29, to reveal his intent to deliver a love gift at Jerusalem. And then thirdly, to reveal his intent to solicit their prayers, 30 to 33. Let's begin here. The first is to reveal his intent to visit them. Notice verse 22. The Apostle Paul told them the reason he had failed to come to Rome in the past. For this cause I also have been much hindered from coming to you. Paul had been hindered by God, being on assignment. The hindrance of God for Paul was in a good way, to be in the will of God as he preached the gospel. God was guiding and directing Paul in the ministry he had called him to. God had sent him on three missionary journeys, as you know, Asia Minor, broken to Europe. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Notice in 26, Paul pointed out that this service was to deliver a financial offering from Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, for it pleased those of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. Paul had boasted about the Macedonians' love to the Corinthians for the saints at Jerusalem in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians 8. Notice he would come by way of Spain for this offering. Afterwards, But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ, fulfilling his long desire and having a base of contact to minister from the closest thing there. He knew he was to be a blessing to others. I shall come to you in fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. This is the only way we can bless anybody. Now, he didn't know exactly how he was going to get there. He had some ideas preconceived, but it, it was all different. Paul did get there, but not the way he thought, right? But he knew God was leading him that direction. Here he comes with this offering, offering of love. The early church sent by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, as you know, financial help to those in Judea, as Agabus prophesied of the famine to come in Acts 11, 28 through 30. Paul the apostle reminded the Galatians in Galatians 2, 10, that he was obedient always to remember the poor. Listen to Proverbs 19, 17. 
He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay, meaning he, God, will pay back what he has given. God does not overlook anything. God is the one who directs and guides, and God will be faithful to his work and the people who yield to him. Let me give to you a few important principles for giving financially, be it to the Lord or whoever the Lord may lead you to help. First, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, you give from what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. It's simple. God doesn't look at the amount you give. He looks at how and why you give. And if you do give, important. Second principle, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You give wholeheartedly. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The third is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. You will see God's faithfulness to you. Listen carefully. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. He uses the word grace in that passage for the offering financially. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. The word all sufficiency is a word used by the Stoics of being a frugal person, a good steward, not only to provide for yourself but for others and never having to be taken care of. Wow. God will give you wisdom where you're at economically, wherever level you're at, to be such a person. As you obey him, as you walk with him. Pastors doesn't tell you what to give. The leaders of the church don't tell you how much to give. As you get into the word of God, God shows you what and how and where. He's faithful. And so Paul's desire was to reveal his intent to deliver a love gift at Jerusalem. Third and last 32 to 33 to reveal his intent to solicit their prayers. This is very important. Notice verse 30, the apostle Paul requested their prayers as partners with him. Now I beg you, brethren, the word beg, parakaleo means to call or to summon, to entreat. And Paul does not demand as an apostle, but rather pleads humbly for their assistance in prayer. He's asking them because they had access to God. They could depend on one another. They could intercede for, on Paul's behalf. And notice Paul pleaded with them on the basis of a joint venture and partnership of the Trinity through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the mediator of the believer. No one else can listen and hear our prayers. Or answer them. He's the mediator. The head of the church. Lord. Kurios. Master. The God man who reigns in heaven. At the right hand of God. But notice also through the love of the spirit. The third person of the trinity. Sent by the father and the son. To be the agent of the church. Jesus the mediator. The Holy Spirit is the agent. He would empower us. Enable us. Direct us. Guide us. Illuminate us, teach us, 
convict the world of sin. A joint venture between the Son and the Spirit. <laughs> Even as he's calling them to a joint venture between he and them in prayer. And so Paul begs them to be part of the ministry to the saints in Jerusalem. Though they were miles away, they could affect the work of God through prayers. Seeking God with all their heart. Do we really believe that? That you can affect the mission field. That you can affect people over in New York. Doesn't matter what time. No matter what's going on. Prayer. Seeking God with all our heart. Notice the implication is partnership in the work of God. Then the Apostle Paul requested their prayers for protection. Verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. He wanted to be delivered from those in Judea, the region of Jerusalem where he was going. Paul had been almost killed in his first visit to Jerusalem, if you remember, by the Hellenists. And he was sent off to Tarsus. Acts 9, 29 and 30 says that. And when Paul was being held as a political scapegoat, first by Festus, Felix, and then by Herod, Agrippa, as he's giving his testimony there in Acts 22, 17 through 18, he says that he was in Jerusalem and he was praying in the temple and Jesus appeared to him and says, Paul, get out of Jerusalem for they will not receive your testimony or witness of me. Paul was hated. He wanted to be saved from the Jews in Judea who did not believe in Christ Jesus as their Messiah. Paul was constantly being dogged by the Judaizers through his ministries. He was persecuted. He was chased out. He was stoned to death and he was caught up to the third heaven and God allowed him to return. But notice still in 31, the apostle Paul requested their prayers for the acceptance of the gift also. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Not the leadership, <laughs> though it's included in there. The saints, everybody. The Jews had a hard time with the Gentiles from the beginning, as you know. The first church council in Acts 15, the Judaizers were teaching that the Gentiles needed to be circumcised to be saved. And Paul and Silas and Barnabas and others came down, and Peter and all them, James, they, they said, no, 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 this is not to be. Christianity is not an extension of Judaism. At Antioch, Peter, as you know, was intimidated by the visit of some Jews. And he was over with the Gentiles, probably eating some pork chops. And then he tiptoed over the kosher table. And Barnabas got all stumbled, and he went over there too. And Paul got in their face, and he rebuked Peter. He says, you're a hypocrite. All of that had nothing to do with their relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a strong, strong cultural an ethnic obstacle between them. The Jews didn't want it to be. Now what amazes me today is there are a lot of Christians who call themselves Christians. They go to church and yet they live their life out in the same way as the world. They make their decisions based on their ethnic background, their, their race or their, their cultural backing instead of in Christ in the word of God. And they're carnal. Corinthians, if you will. And they're a bad example to Christ. Now the Gentiles were demonstrating their oneness 
of the body of Christ, the church, ignoring the cultural differences, ignoring the ethnic distinction, ignoring the national boundaries. They got the message. They used to be without Christ, without God, in the world, stranger from the covenant of promise, enemies of God. Now they're children of God, and they know they owe it to the Jews. They gave them a sign. They gave us the scriptures. They are overjoyed. Wow. Colossians 3.11 says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. You know who the Scythians were? The Scythians were those northern regions of, of nomadic uh, tribes that would take their captives, decapitate them, boil their skulls, skin them, and use them for drinking goblets. Now, if you're one of those, you can be saved. The Jews could possibly deny the gift. This is a real scenario. This is implied by the plea for their prayers. The trust and faith was in God to intervene to prepare the heart of the Jewish saints at Jerusalem. The hopeful outcome was that the poor saints respond in humility and in love of appreciation for the family assistance in their difficult time. And then finally, Paul, in verse 32 and 33, he requested their prayers for his trip to Rome. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Paul desired to come in joy in the will of God. Underline that. The joy being the work of the Holy Spirit in him. One of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. There's only one fruit, singular, agape. Everything else a manifestation after that. To share with them the outcome to share with them in fellowship and to share with them all his plans when he got there. He just looked forward to fellowship, spending time with them, learning about the church and what God had done, what was going on. Notice the qualification is by the will of God. Paul always put everything under the will of God, and so am I supposed to, as well as yourself. Paul was soon after the writing of the letter, arrive at Jerusalem and be arrested, as you know, and held as that political scapegoat for two years until he appealed to Caesar in Acts 24, 27 and Acts 25, 11. But even under those two years, Paul saw God's hand and he ministered the gospel to everybody that he was brought in front of. And God used Paul's imprisonment to write the prison epistles. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. In fact, he told the Philippians, why are you guys all messed up over me? I'm here by assignment. And by the way, the praetorium guard of Caesar says, praise the Lord. Some have been saved. <laughs> Some preach out of envy, trying to add hurt to me. Others out of, uh, out of love, and they're, they're emboldened now because I, they see I'm suffering. It doesn't matter to me as long as Christ is preached. Wow. Perspective. Paul arrived at Rome, but not as he thought. He arrived at Rome, listen to me, as the prisoner of Jesus Christ, not of Rome. The prison epistles, he calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was there by assignment. Notice Paul desired that he be refreshed with them. Paul believed God was the only one that could bring this about. As he had done in the past, he would do in the present, and you would trust him in the future for that. 
And so Paul ends by declaring a prayerful benediction over the Romans. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The one who provides peace, Irene. We get our word, the name Irene from it. It means that which has been put back together, previously fractured. This is the God of peace that keeps our hearts regardless of the circumstance, situation of life. Sometimes they come as an attack against us. Sometimes God permits them to refine us. He knows why. And he affirms it. Amen. So be it. (laughs) E.M. Bounds said this about prayer in the church. Quote, When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes and his kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's cause decays and evil of every kind prevails. A prayerless pastor, church, and Christians are denying God's ability to direct and provide and man's privilege to ask and receive. Prayer. Prayer is most effective when it is motivated by God's love, committed to the point of agonizing in prayer in order that God's will be done. Our Lord is the greatest example as he prayed in the garden in Luke twenty two forty four. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Speaking about the cup, suffering. In fact, 1 John 5, 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. His will is found in his word, by the way. Very important. Prayer is, in its truest understanding, tapping into the things of God, not simply asking things from God. Daniel sought the Lord on how he fitted into the plan of God at Daniel 9, 1 through 3, as he knew the 70 years were captivity were by the books of Jeremiah. Prayer begins with God and ends with God. Prayer is prompted by God and answered by God. He moves on our heart. He directs and guides us. Prayer is the surest form of protection if we receive guidance. And as we receive guidance from God, strength, perseverance for the situations. Paul, um, the apostle, delivered was delivered many times through the missionary journeys as we go through them in the book of Acts. But at other times, God allowed him to receive persecution, to be beat with rods and whips and thrown in jail. And as we saw, stone. Stone dead, not stone up, but stone dead, okay? The scriptures tell us that prayer is a matter of the heart posture, not physical posture necessarily. As Jesus told the Pharisees about that tax collector that went to pray and prayed with himself and to himself in Luke 18, 11 through 14. The Pharisees saw himself as self-righteous. God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. Tax extortioners, everything else. But the tax collector humbled himself and wouldn't get close and just struck his breast. He says, Lord, propitiate me, a sinner. He says, this man... When not justified, he prayed to God. The position of the body can be on our feet, our knees, our backs, our face to the ground, hands lifted up to heaven. But if the heart is not humbled, then it's only desiring to be seen of men. God does not hear us. That's hypocrisy. 
There is a place for some of these in public. And there's others for private. Nothing wrong with lifting our hands and worshiping God. But I'm not going to prostrate myself before you. I'm bringing attention to myself. There are certain ways to worship God. And God looks upon my heart. But when I'm in public, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I want to make sure I focus on the Lord. Remember, Jacob prayed to be delivered by Esau. God was faithful. Prayer is commanded by Jesus with very specific reasons. In Luke 18.1, Jesus said, Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Literally, faint. Prayer is an obligation to God. It's an attitude of prayer that we're to be in all day long. We can't be on our knees constantly. But we live in an attitude of prayer. As things would come, we just shoot them up and ask the Lord to help. Lord, give me wisdom. Direct me. Guide me. We drive down the freeway. We see a, an accident. My little grandkids, they, well, let's pray. Grandpa. They pray. You know, Everything. You just... Somebody's sick. They go get the little bottle of oil. Here, let me pray. Anoint you. They pray. Important. Prayer protects me from anxiety and against anxiety. Jesus said that we're not to worry about the things of life, but the word to learn from the birds of the field and the lilies of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. They never toil nor spin or carry a wheelbarrow to fill it up in Luke 6, 25 through 34. And they're to be our example. And how much more valuable are we trusting him, depending on him? Paul taught that to be anxious is not good. We're to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We're to make our request to God in Philippians 4, 6. Everything. Because we become like the world. All is to be brought to prayer before God. The result is peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, Philippians 4, 7. And it's a constant warfare. In fact, praying is always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6.18. That's the end of the armor. Prayer. Prayer will open my eyes. Don't trust what you see, but what God reveals to you in his word. You remember the servant of Elisha? At Dothan, he saw the Syrians surrounding them, and he said, Oh, master, alas, we're dead. And Elisha got up and says, Oh, Lord, open his eyes, Second Kings 6. And he saw the cherubim, angelic host, and oh, he got confident. Lord, open our eyes for such a time as this. What is it that you have for us as your church? As those are supposed to be light and salt to those around us. Paul's desire was to reveal his intent to solicit their prayers. Powerful. This is Paul's expression of his purpose for writing the letter to the Romans. To reveal his intent to visit them. He couldn't wait. To reveal his intent to deliver a love gift at Jerusalem. He was hoping to be received to reveal his intent to solicit their prayers praying that they would be part of it wow 
what a great way to come to almost the end as we put this whole book together. Pastor Xavier Reese, sharing the blessing that follows a life that is faithful to the Lord. And if you'd like a copy of today's study to dig deeper into its teaching, or perhaps to pass on to a friend, it's titled, Reasons for Paul's Letter. You can request a CD for just $4, and this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Reasons for Paul's Letter. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 